Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the CBS Travel Hour with Peter Greenberg. He's America's most recognized and respected frontline travel news journalist. And in this podcast, Peter Greenberg holds in-depth interviews with travel industry insiders, giving listeners practical news they can use on topics ranging from the shrinking carry-on luggage allowances to traveling through the Middle East. This is the CBS Travel Hour with Peter Greenberg. Welcome aboard another edition of the CBS Radio Travel Hour. I'm Peter Greenberg, travel editor for CBS News. And we're doing a special edition of of the show because in the wake of the executive order by the president, which dates back the first one to January 27th, officially or essentially banning citizens from about seven different countries from from traveling to the United States, it's uh, created a world of confusion global uncertainty, requisite amount of fear, and as a result, what some would say is a global buyer's market in travel. Now, what does this mean to you? How does this impact you? Uh, How do you benefit from this? And where do you benefit from this? And maybe even when do you benefit from this? We'll be talking to two special guests today. One is the founder of JoeSentMe.com, Joe Brancatelli, and a little bit later, we'll be talking to the founder of AirfareWatchdog.com, George Hobica. But first, Joe Brancatelli. Joe, you heard my introduction. It's a little crazy out there right now because while the executive orders are being argued and appealed and not necessarily resolved yet by the court system, we're seeing a dramatic drop-off in travel. Uh, there's a company called Forward Keys that tracks online. Uh, bookings and search. And in their initial report, online search dropped about 17%. Online bookings, nearly 9%. And that's an average, by the way. There are some that have dropped as many as, as much as 15%. Uh, we're seeing that not just in airlines. We're seeing it in hotels. We're seeing it in cruise lines. We're seeing it even in rental cars. Um, and we're not seeing it in any one particular location, which is quite surprising, usually. We're seeing it on an almost worldwide basis. Uh, is that what you're seeing as well? I, I think that's true, Peter. There's there's a, a lot of things going on, a lot of balls in the air. The the president's uh, executive order and what may or may not follow the initial order has, has just added to the confusion. On top of what you've just said on the searching, I've talked to some airline executives who say that travel to the United States has fallen pretty dramatically immediately after the travel ban because customers around the world don't like uncertainty that's we, we all like to know how things are going so i think there's there's been a drop off to the united states there's a survey out just this week uh that said the germans who like to travel more than anybody about half of the germans who are thinking of coming to the united states have now decided that maybe they wouldn't because they don't think it's a friendly environment the british are unhappy with us the australians are unhappy with us the swedes are unhappy with us now we can look at that politically, or we could look and flip it the other way and saying, well, if those people are dropping out of the market, the airlines, hotels around the world are going to have to push harder to get U.S. customers to travel. And the way they do that is by cutting prices. And we're seeing literally prices, Peter, that you and I know we have never seen in the market. $300 round trip in coach across the Atlantic, $400 round trip across the Pacific. These are just numbers that were inconceivable two or three years ago and are now available on virtually any route you want to look for if you do a little planning. And even if you don't do a little planning, you might be shocked at how good the prices are. Now, obviously, we're not just being driven by rate here. We also have to be driven by common sense and a little bit of history. If we go back to right in the post 9-11 days and take that 10 years out as uh, you know, as many people have, have reported, they called it the lost decade in America, where America was perceived as being unwelcoming, inhospitable, closed, if you will. People, visa waiting times were up to 180 days. People just didn't want to, they just gave up is what they did. Uh, and that loss of revenue and tax base and jobs was 
was staggering. And as Roger Dow from the United States Travel Association called it, he called it the lost decade. Then in the last three years of the Obama administration, you know, the word got up. The word got there that, you know, this was a significant loss on so many different levels. So the State Department basically realigned their consular divisions. They changed the visa waiting time from 180 days down to three without compromising any security protocols. And things started turning around. Um, Now, with the January 27th initial executive order by President Trump, the fear is we've gone back. Uh, We've taken a few steps back. Um, And the difference is that even though there were seven different countries identified in the original executive order, that wasn't the net effect on the way people perceived it. Uh, There are countries out there that were never affected officially by the ban. Egypt, Jordan, Israel, uh, other countries in the Middle East and the Gulf, other countries in Africa and the Near East. They had significant drop-offs in outbound and inbound travel because people were just worried that they'd be next. I I think that part of the biggest problem with the initial travel ban uh, that I think they will avoid when they do it again, I would like to think the administration will learn, even in these early days, is that they clamped down on people who were already in the air. I mean, people who left wherever they were in the world in good faith with their visa in hand, with their papers in order. They get to the United States and are suddenly told, yeah, well, we've changed our mind. Thanks a lot. Go back to where you came from and you'll be on the next plane. That really chills travel because when you tell people, and, and again, I would, I would ask Americans, regardless of how you, what you think of President Trump's action or not, is think about what you would do if you heard about a country that, while you were flying to it, changed the rules on you, cut you no break. You would not go there. So this was this is what's coming to the United States. The, the one difference I would say, Peter, compared to the days after 9-11, the U.S. carriers and most of the world's carriers put planes on the ground, just simply didn't fly them. And there weren't so there were deals, but they weren't dramatic deals. What's happened now, uh, as you say, partially thanks to the last three or four years of the Obama administration, but also the general economy picking up, uh, airlines are finding that business travel has held up and business travel at the front of the plane. They won't cut flights as long as they can fill the front of the plane. So what will happen is the planes continue to fly, fabulous bargains in coach and in premium economy, and that was something we didn't see after 9-11 because the planes simply were not flying for economic reasons. Now the airlines still have an economic reason to fly, and a whole bunch of new carriers are coming in as well uh, based on timing and uh, economic reality, and that means a lot of seats to fill, and the only way airlines really know how to sell fill seats is to cut price. Right, and you you know you mentioned the the, uh, the new airlines coming in, there are a lot of them. People forget, you know, Hainan Airlines since 2006 in China has added 75 new routes. They now have a nonstop from China to Las Vegas, which means we now have a nonstop from Las Vegas to China. There's an airline called Edelweiss that flies nonstop from Zurich to Las Vegas. But in a month or two, they're going to start flying from San Diego to Zurich as well. Uh, we have the Wow Airline Factor. It's an airline, but it's also a Wow Factor. Well, they came in with $69 fares from from parts of the United States to Reykjavik, and then another $129 fares onward to Europe. And Iceland Air has been forced to sort of match them there as well. Uh, and then the whammy to me is going to be happening in in, in parts of Asia. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's well, Norwegian. We mentioned they just got their permanent operating certificate from the Department of Transportation, which means that by the end of this year, they will have added an additional seven new destinations in the U.S which is going to really shake things up. And then comes Asia. Now, you can also fly to Asia on Norwegian if you don't mind going through Oslo or Stockholm. But listen to this. An airline called Air Asia X got permission to fly their maiden flights to the United States starting this coming June. And they're going to do Honolulu. They're going to do two flights. Listen to these fares. I mean, this is outrageous. Honolulu to Osaka, Japan, $99. And Honolulu to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, that's long haul, my friend, $149. Wow. Right? Indeed. I wanted to Let's go back. You can't, you can't match those numbers, obviously. But let's go back to that airline, Hainan. Now, they are privately owned, or at least as privately owned as you can be in the Chinese world. 
Okay, they're not just opening up, you know, flights to fringe places. And I don't, and you know, I love Honolulu, Peter. I have family there. I don't consider it fringe, but you got to get to Honolulu first to get to that fair. Hainan has opened up so many routes to so many cities. I mean, you can fly from Boston to Beijing for $500 round trip. That's a 13-hour flight, okay? One time you could, you'd have to make two or three stops to get there. I mean, and these fares are easily available. They're also opening up to what the, the Chinese countries, uh, the Chinese experts call the interior cities. They won't just fly you to Beijing or Shanghai. They're suddenly flying you to Changsha, to, to cities that most Americans haven't heard of, but are provincial, ter- secondary and tertiary cities in China that have 10 or 15 million people. So you're going to see Chinese people coming here. U.S. intrepid travelers are suddenly going to go places that they never went to before in China because it's easy to – you can skip over Beijing and Shanghai. These kind of things will change everything. Uh, as we've mentioned before on shows, the, the Gulf carriers are coming in, and they're, they're filling in for some U.S. carriers that are missing um, in, in the next few days. Emirates Airlines, which is based in Dubai, will nevertheless start a nonstop between Newark and Athens. That brings back a nonstop to Greece for the first time in a decade in the United States. So the, the opportunities are there, and that will mean good pricing with more flights available. And Emirates is also flying already New York to Milan. So there's so many opportunities now. I guess the, the law of unintended consequences, at least if you are a buyer of travel right now, meaning a U.S. consumer that would like to travel, this could never be, I can think, in recent memory, a better time. I don't think we've seen, Peter, the, you know, you and I had the good fortune, I think, to come from general reporting to travel right in the mid-'80s, right when there was the golden period of, of travel. I think this is the second golden period now we can see. The only negative for a U.S. customer, U.S.-based flyer looking to travel around the world because he's going to find or she's going to find bargains on the ground as well, hotels, restaurants, ground transportation. You may have to put up with a little negative looks from, from people around the world who, who decided that Americans weren't as open as, and, and welcoming as they thought. Uh, we did see some of this a decade ago during the first part of the Iraq War. I remember standing on street corners in Rome and just having, you know, Europeans come by and realizing I was an American and start yelling at me about Bush. We might see some of that, but that's the only potential negative. You might have to hear some bad words about Trump, but you'll be hearing those bad words at a very cheap price. Well, listen, stick with us, Joe. We're going to take a quick break because when we come back, I do want to talk about some reciprocity issues and how you can even benefit from that. We'll return to the CBS Radio Travel Hour. Peter Greenberg here talking to Joe Bracatelli of JoeSentMe.com. Stick with us. Back right after this. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to the CBS Travel Hour with Peter Greenberg. And welcome back to the CBS Radio Travel Hour. I'm Peter Greenberg. We've been speaking to the founder of JoeSentMe.com, Joe Brancatelli, about the law of unintended consequences in the wake of the presidential order, the executive order, and the so-called travel ban still being uh, argued in the courts and still uh, a lot of uncertainty out there, a lot of fear out there. And in that uncertainty and fear, there's a silver lining if you happen to want to travel, if you happen to own a U.S. passport and possess one. Uh, and if you happen to have any idea of where you want to go in the world on almost a global scale, you can get there. And the discounts, by the way, are not just airlines. They're not just hotels. They're not just rental cars. They're not just restaurants. Even the Eurostar, the, the train between London and Paris, is offering discounts starting at 20% now. They're having trouble filling that. Um, what a crazy time to want to be a traveler. And even if you have frequent flyer miles, this might actually be the first time in recent memory you might have at least a better time, no guarantees here, but at least a better time of being able to redeem those miles. But right before the break, I was talking to Joe about the concept of reciprocity. And Joe, I was—I remember back in 2003 when we were about to invade Iraq and being over in Europe and watching all the marches every night, protesting that. Uh, but they were not anti-American marches. They were anti-American government marches. 
And um, I think there's a difference. That, that is true. But it is unavoidable, Peter. You know this. We, we've all lived this. That, that the, ref, the, the actions of the U.S. government reflect on the individual traveler one-to-one. Uh, I talk to Australian friends all the time now uh, who are, frankly, not a big fan of the Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull before, and suddenly he's a hero to them because he stood up to Trump, or there's the perception that he did. So you do have to accept that when the U.S. government makes a decision that, rightly or wrongly, that parts of the world do not like, that will be reflected in how you're greeted as as an individual traveler. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go, uh, That the, especially, in fact, you should go and, and maybe make an alternate case. But you, you just should be aware of that there will be some negativity on this, uh, not just to the travel ban, but to the concept that, you know, Americans always were welcome and open and were welcome, and certainly our money was welcome everywhere. So, you know, just be aware of that. It certainly shouldn't be a factor that'll stop you from traveling because, frankly, Peter, the prices are just too good. I mean, we could we could talk forever about how great the fares are. Hotel rates are at, at levels I haven't seen in in decades. Uh, the strength of the dollar, the dollar is surging and has been surging for more than a year uh, against virtually any currency you want. You know, you're looking at 30, 40 percent bargains just based on the currency in Europe similarly in parts of Asia. This makes it unavoidably attractive to travel and see places you haven't seen before or go back to a place you always wanted to go to. And, you know, even before the executive order uh, on January 27th, I go back to November and December, I was over in Paris, and the hotels there, because of fears of terrorism alone, were operating at 46% occupancy. Everybody was discounting. We're talking the five-star hotels down to the one-star hotels. That opportunity still exists, and you're seeing that all across the board. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody listening to this, you know, intentionally goes into harm's way. No, it's about being commonsensical and figuring out, you know, your your true level of safety in these places is a whole lot higher than you think it is. I think that's true. I mean, no one is, you know, after the initial shock, uh, people have avo- did avoid Paris and Brussels for a while. They've certainly avoided Turkey now, uh, you know, there's always a reason to say no to, to travel. If, if you want to find the reason, if you don't want to travel, there'll always be a reason. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too rainy. It's too expensive. It's too dangerous. But if you do your homework and, and the State Department of the United States puts out fairly decent what they call counselor information sheets on every country, you should start there if you're unfamiliar with the situation. The web allows you to read every newspaper, and there's English-language information about every country in the world. You can find out pretty quickly whether a destination is, quote-unquote, safe or not. Um, We're just really looking at a six-month period. I I can't look much further out than that, where I think we'll see dramatic bargains, dramatic opportunity. Uh, And you shouldn't let that go by. As someone who, who likes to travel, who likes to see different cultures... I would say this is unavoidable and just too attractive financially to ignore. Yeah, and then, of course, there's the concept of reciprocity, but I need to put that in perspective as well. Most of the reciprocity that I've seen over the last 20 years has just been in the area of visa processing and visa fees. Um, We charge the Argentinians, for example, about $133 to come to the United States and to get processed. So guess what they charge us? $133. So get your credit cards ready when you're going through immigration at the airport. You'll have to pay that. Okay, that's your reciprocity. Other than that, the Argentine peso is still a bargain for Americans. It's one of the most inexpensive countries to visit anywhere. And you'll get a seat on the plane now. So why wouldn't you go? Exactly. Then there's one other angle we should we should discuss probably. This does impact domestic travel, because if the Europeans can't afford, forget about what they think about President Trump, if the Europeans can't afford to come here in the numbers they have in the past, that's because of the strong dollar against both the euro and the British pound. That means hotels that have depended on European visitors will have to make that money up somewhere else. And guess how they'll do it? They'll lower prices for U.S. customers. Now, they and, just won't yeah. be, China is growing, but not fast enough to offset the decline in European visitors. 
And then what you're going to start to see, and I've already started to see it, by the way, are the foreign carriers realizing that it's not about flying to their hubs for us. It's about flying through them. Uh, and it's about uh, doing add-ons to be more attractive to, to travelers. So you want to fly to uh, Doha, they'll let you stay for a day or two. You want to fly to Iceland, they'll let you stay for a day or two. You want to fly to Lisbon, they'll let you stay for a day or two. This is going to start happening left and right, where people can then no longer have to look at their travel as one-dimensional. They can do it, you know, two and three different places on one trip at less the cost of what it would have been a year ago to go to one place. Absolutely. Lisbon being the perfect example, uh, Top Air Portugal, which is the, what we used to call the flag carrier of a country, had basically dropped out of the U.S. market. Uh, a consortium came in weirdly, or not weirdly, but interestingly, uh, you know, fronted by a man named David Nealman, who is the founder of JetBlue Airways. Uh, he's reinvigorated the carrier, improved the service, and one of the things he's getting, getting traction with is telling people, you come and use TAP, where we can, we'll now fly to destinations along the East Coast in Toronto again. You can stay up to three days in Lisbon or even fly to Porto on us because we want you to use us to come to Lisbon and then fly somewhere else. So you can twin up a stop at these major new hubs that you may have never visited. Shockingly, most Americans have not been to Lisbon. It's a place they haven't been because oh, carriers realize that there's opportunity here. They need to attract U.S. travelers to offset the decline in their own domestic markets. And, and from a security point of view, uh, I would think uh, that, you know, we, we are running a higher risk, let's be honest, uh, from certain terrorists or certain terrorist groups that want to target Western-based or American-branded uh, targets overseas as a reaction uh, to Trump's executive orders. Having said that, uh, it's not stopping me, and I'm not trying to be, you know, a daredevil here, but it's not stopping me from getting on a plane and going overseas. Peter, I, I, I don't... I, the, the problem with terrorism is the simple unpredictability of it. Terrorists are not so organized, or they are organized, maybe we should say it that way. They are going to strike... Yes, they want to strike Western targets. They certainly want to strike U.S. targets. But it has to be opportunity for them. We, we cannot know this, okay? I mean, they're going to just hit us when they think they can. It's not going to be people say, well, I never fly on 9-11 because that's when they'll hit us again. No, they won't. They'll hit us on, you know, August 15th if they think they can. So if you're willing to accept that there is risk, but there's also risk to go to your bathroom. More, literally more people die in their bathroom than die in a terrorist attack or almost anything else. Yes, you have to accept some terrorism risk. You have to look at it logically, but it shouldn't stop you from going because the opportunities now, I, I just don't think the opportunities will be like this again. There's just too many things coming together to make travel inexpensive and very accessible. We may not see this again for another decade or two. And just to be clear about years. this, yeah, I know. And, and just to be clear about this, I want to make sure that everybody understands that I'm not talking to Joe here to promote travel. I'm not talking to Joe here to push you to buy travel. I'm just letting you know that you can make some very interesting choices now uh, about making travel even more affordable as the unintended consequence of a U.S. government policy that actually indirectly will benefit you if you want to travel. That's it. Absolutely, Peter. And I need to say this. In, in a world where, where we've just, in the last few days, journalists have been labeled enemies of the people and uh, fake news, you know, I don't make any money from, from travel. I, my website doesn't even accept advertising. Um, my job is to tell people what is. And you can check anything Peter and I are saying. Look at the numbers yourself. Look at the risks logically yourself. And I think you will logically decide that, wow, this is a really good time to travel. It's as simple as that. And if you choose not to, that's okay, too. Now, let's get down to the definition of really good time, because it's still my argument, Joe, that this is not going to be short-lived. Uh, fear takes a while to bounce back from, and people get motivated by fear, not in always the best ways. So now I want people just to be motivated by intelligence, and once you do that, then maybe you'll understand, you know, that this might just be the time to do it. 
Um, and, you know, we're dealing with over 196 countries out there, only four or five of which I wouldn't go to. Everybody else, fair game and, and go have fun. We're talking to Joe Brancatelli, the founder of JoeSentMe.com. And uh, it's ironic that I'm talking to you on the phone today and neither of us are traveling after giving that advice. But that won't last for long because I'll be on a plane tomorrow and I'm, I presume you will be too, Joe. I just got. I just checked out of a hotel last night. So, <laughs> all right, Joe Bracatelli, thanks for joining us. Stick with us, everybody. When we come back, George Hobica from Airfare Watchdog with some real nuts and bolts about what these fares really are. Back right after this. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to the CBS Travel Hour with Peter Greenberg. And welcome back to the CBS Radio Travel Hour. I'm Peter Greenberg, travel editor for CBS News. Joining us now, the uh, the founder of airfarewatchdog.com, good friend of mine, uh, with a report on how this is really impacting how the travel executive order that was originally signed on January 27th by President Trump and then challenged in the courts, then stayed by the courts, and now reintroduced in another form by the president, how that is impacting what's really going on in the world of travel, airlines, hotels, planes, trains, automobiles, hotels, you name it. Welcome back, George Hobica. How are you, man? Good, Peter. Good to be here. So what I'm seeing is staggeringly no number, low, low numbers when we're talking about dollar figures for the, for the cost of travel. Um, not seasonally anymore. We're talking globally. Uh, Asia, Africa, Europe, South America, um, cruises, uh, rental cars, hotels, just about any possible attachment of travel you can think of. Yes, uh, it's a great time to travel almost anywhere, especially if you... Uh travel on the United States dollar. There's no question if you, if you, if you fly from the United States. Uh, we saw British Airways, for example, peak summer, mind you, uh, from Philadelphia to, um, to London. It was $450 a round trip. This is for July travel. You could go over July 4th if you wanted. Um, you can go to Asia for the same amount. Uh, you can go almost anywhere. It's actually more expensive to stay within the United States. I mean, you know, many of your listeners will probably say, I, uh, you know, Peoria is like $600 a round trip. It probably is. But you can go to Barcelona for, you know, 450 a round trip. And then once you get there, the euro is almost on a par with the U.S. dollar. I think it was as close as $1.3, $1.4. The British pound down to about $1.20. So you're really dealing in, in real dollar terms of a savings or a discount, if you will, of anywhere from 30 to 42% once you get there. I was just in Paris, and I had this wonderful gourmet meal with a bottle of wine, three courses, delicious. I think the bill came to like $55 with tax and tip. I thought I was Hemingway back in the 1950s. I mean, it's so cheap. Uh, if you love uh, luxury items, you know, French perfumes or you know, Louis Vuitton bags, it's worth the trip just for that. If you buy this stuff, if you buy you know luxury items, um, <clears throat> look at the prices online uh, in the United States and compare them to the prices on the on the French site or the UK site. It you're saving thirty percent, so it's, right. it's incredible. So let's go back and try to put this in some sort of historical perspective. At least recently, the first executive order that was signed by Trump for the so-called ban of people from seven different affected countries was signed on January twenty seventh. And within 48 hours, uh, U.S. airlines lost about $4.9 billion in market share on the stock market. Uh, Online search dropped 17%. Uh, Online bookings, depending on which numbers you want to believe and which countries you want to look at, dropped an average of about 8%. Those are pretty staggering numbers, George. It, they, they are. And, it's, you know, it's not just the Muslims who might not be coming to the United States because of, um, you know, not feeling welcomed. It's, it's people in other countries who are not Muslims who, who, who are against this policy and think, you know, you know screw you, United States. We're going to go someplace else. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that even the, um, the, the U.K. Parliament is thinking of uh, banning uh, or disinviting Trump to go over there uh, on a presidential visit. Uh, so it, it goes both ways. Now, there's a lot of ill will and an ill feeling that this has created, I think, unnecessarily. And the, and the United States already makes it really tough 
for uh, foreign visitors to come here with visa restrictions. You know, the USTOA, the the um, the United States uh, travel uh, lobbying uh, organization, USTA. Uh, USTA, uh, it has been lobbying for many, many years to make it uh, easier for people to come here and spend money. But we make it incredibly tough for, for people to come here. And now with a strong U.S. dollar, fewer people are going to be coming. But that's good for, I guess, the United States citizens because they can fly cheaply almost anywhere in the world now. So give me some examples because I've seen New York to Hong Kong for like $400. You mentioned yeah. you know, Europe for like $300 in some cases. Um, I'm seeing even crazier deals uh, I had to get somebody from New York to Bangkok in April on, uh, uh, and I went through Doha on Qatar. It was something like 600 bucks. Yep. You, you know, you can go on Singapore. We saw Tokyo, LA to Tokyo nonstop on Singapore Airlines for 3.98 round trip. So it's not just the Wow Airs and the Norwegian Airs and the other super discounters that are offering these fares. It's the SASs and the Air France's. And um, even the Deltas and the British Airways and the Uniteds that are competing now, and I sometimes I can't believe my eyes because I've been doing this for 20 years, looking at airfares day after day, day after day. It's as exciting as it sounds, and um, and I I remember when it cost $1,800 on some of these routes that are now you know 499 or 398, uh, and when you adjust for inflation, it's even less than that. And I've seen this, by the way, starting to creep into U.S. domestic fares. Simply because there's been a drop off in people coming here who would then continue on within the continental U.S. Um, now, some of it may have been as a result of Brexit or the power of the U.S. dollar against foreign currencies. And by the way, we're not just talking about the euro and the pound. We're talking about the Turkish lira. We're talking about the Egyptian pound. We're talking about the Argentinian peso. We're talking about the Brazilian currency. It's all been affected. But we're also seeing some other entrants in markets that are then starting to like open doors. So, for example, and you and I have talked about this before. I mean, it's almost draconian. The fare that, that the, the, the airlines are sh- were charging on the shuttle between New York and Boston or New York and Washington, uh, a flight that takes 38 minutes in the air and can cost as much as $809 round trip. Uh, in the Boston market now, you now have JetBlue entering that market in the shuttle area. And how far are those fares dropped? Yeah, there was something like $69 round trip where they used to be, uh, you know, 600 and I'm not kidding, $600 round trip. I have paid that much, uh, Boston to uh, LaGuardia on the, on the Delta shuttle. Uh, I, I think the other thing to remember is all these discount airlines like Spirit and Frontier that are expanding service within the United States, uh, not just JetBlue, and the, the Deltas and the Uniteds and the Americans are matching them, uh, sometimes dollar for dollar, sometimes even less. Uh, we're getting these new uh, basic economy fares, which I don't Yeah, I want, I want to talk about that in a second because sure. I want to go back to the late 80s and the, and the middle of the 90s in terms of a, of a term that I think is now starting to come back, predatory pricing. Um, you know, in the old days, we defined a successful airline by which could lose money longer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. Oh, wow. They're still in business. They must be successful even though they're losing money. Uh, when, a, when a discount carrier would come in or a new carrier would come in, the only thing they could offer, they didn't have frequency, they didn't have enough planes, they didn't have enough routes, they would just offer huge discounts on the, on the routes they did fly. And then the majors where they competed on those routes would come in, match those low fares, or in many cases undercut them, knowing full well that they couldn't make any money on those fares, but they could lose money longer than the other guys. And then the others, those other guys would go out of business. Now, uh, I go back to a survey that American did last year. And I'm sure you may have seen this, George, but it was eye-opening for American, I can tell you this, that determined that 87% of the people who flew American Airlines last year only flew the airline once, and it was only based on rates. So, so much for brand loyalty, so much for the mileage program, they just wanted a cheap fare. That's, that's, that's the spirit passenger. That's the yeah. frontier passenger. That's the allegiant passenger. So, when you mention basic economy, we're now talking about Airlines like United, Delta, and now American coming up by segmenting their cabins. Now there's first class, business class, premium coach, coach class, and then no class. Because, exactly. because that's the fear that they're doing that they're trying to match spirit with to make it so uncomfortable and painful to most business class passengers. They'll want to upgrade. But for the passengers who are just going for rate or they're a member of the witness relocation program where they're a fugitive from justice and aren't packing anything – That's the fare for them because you can't book a seat in advance. You don't get any mileage. You can't use the overhead compartment. You can't check a bag. Um, 
you know, it, it, and you don't get a seat until you get to the airport, which means, for lack of a better de- definition of the word, it's not just basic economy ticket. It's your middle seat ticket. That's what it you're is. going to get. It's a, it's, you're only going to get the middle seats. I, you know, a couple of things. I think uh, this time around, it's not going to work. The, these uh, the spirits and the frontiers are not going to be uh, pushed out of business. They're doing extremely well. In fact, they're the envy of the big guys. Um, uh, uh, spirits uh, profit margins and growth are phenomenal. They're making a ton of money. And and the other thing is, if I had a choice between a Delta uh, bare bones. Uh, Fair and a Spirit or a Frontier, I would still take the Delta because I can use the overhead bin and uh, there's more frequency. Uh, a lot of these Spirits and Frontiers, they one only flight do a day, one or, or four times a week. So if your if your flight's canceled, beware. But look, their uh, load factors are 85 percent, and you're absolutely right. 87 percent of, of uh, passengers only fly once a year, and all they care about is price. And Delta and American and United were losing market share to Spirit um, and Frontier, but those two airlines, Legion, also they're here to stay. They are, and and you know what? If we're going to be honest, and we try to be honest on this show, and answer the question of why we really fly, let's talk about that. I mean, I fly to go from point A to point B and not die. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not on the plane for, for the beautiful leather seats or the, the wine list or for the entertainment. I just want to go where I want to go. In, and, of course, I want to be safe. But I'm not worried about all the other you know, goodies and bells and whistles because there ain't any. Uh, anyway, and if they are, they're, they're pretty bad bells and whistles. So um, that explains, I think, why... People are finally coming to grips with the flying experience. You know, I always yeah, laugh. You know, I always laugh when people. Is, yeah, I, I was just about to say. I always laugh when, and people always ask you this question, and and my producer has now ad- adopted it, and that is when somebody always asks me, "Did you have a nice flight?" My answer has always been, "We landed." Yeah, exactly. How bad could exactly. it be? I, I'm alive. Exactly. Look at the safety record of uh, U.S. carriers over the last uh, three or four years. Perfect. So, um, yeah, that's the value proposition to me. And it's just a very, very safe uh, system. It's getting safer safer and safer every year. Uh, And I think it's uh, also going to be uh, continue to be a great value. I think we're going to probably see prices continue to uh, to moderate, which they've done over the last couple of years. Now, here's the one caveat I'd like to tell people who, who like to book their flights online, and that's this. And I don't think the websites have been been totally transparent about this because it happened to me. I went online to look for a fare, and I found one on Delta uh, to go from New York to, uh, I believe, Orlando. And it was, it was like, you know, 80 bucks. I went, really? Okay. I, I just hit the keystroke and got the ticket. Now, I normally don't like to buy my tickets online, but when you see something for 80 bucks, you go for it. Well, it was not fully disclosed in the fare category that was on that screen, that what I bought from Delta at 80 bucks was the basic economy no beyond no frills fare, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to the airport and found out I was sitting in the middle seat, I couldn't check a bag, and I, uh, I got no mileage. And when I said to the counter agent, you realize, of course, this is not disclosed online, and I proved it to her, because I didn't look at page two or three, whoever does, uh, she realized I might have a point. She checked the bag and got me a window seat. So, but the point is most people are not going to be that lucky uh, or, or have an understanding counter agent. So if you're going to book one of these basic economy fares online, you might want to have a phone call while you're online with the airline to say, hey, I'm looking at this fare online. Is this your basic economy fare? And is this the one that's going to make me impossible to, to do anything other than sit in the middle seat? And, and I think, Peter, the reason that uh, Delta has pulled m- m- its fares from many uh, third-party websites like Hopper and Hipmunk and FareCompare is that it's, there's no way to make it clear um, on an OTA or uh, a, a MetaSearch app that you're buying uh, a basic economy fare. It is a bit clearer on the Delta Airlines website. And, I, you know, I, I think... Well, George, I want, you to hold that, I want you to hold that thought for a second, because when we come back, I want to talk about what's really happening now with the OTAs, as there's a lot of mergers and consolidations, and what the airlines, or at least some airlines, are doing, and hotels as well, to take their inventory off the OTA. Stick with us. George Hobica, one of the founders of AirfareWatchdog.com. It's Peter Greenberg here on the CBS Radio Travel Hour, back right after this.
Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to the CBS Travel Hour with Peter Greenberg. And welcome back to the CBS Radio Travel Hour. We've been speaking to George Hobica. I'm Peter Greenberg. George, the founder of Airfare Watchdog. George, there's been a lot of changes lately, not all of them announced, by the way, uh, on which airlines, which hotels, uh, which travel providers want to play, if you'll excuse the expression, with the online travel agencies and continue to display at least some of their inventory online, and which airlines, hotels, cruise lines are basically saying, you know what, we don't want to play anymore because we want to get all those commissions back with us, and we want to pull everything back in-house. This has been their holy, their holy grail, Peter, for years and years and years, and they tried to do it before by giving you extra frequent flyer points or not giving you frequent flyer points unless you uh, book directly with the hotel website or the airline website. And, uh, you know, Delta and Southwest contain, uh, control 35% of the domestic air traffic in the United States, and they are not on many, many very popular uh, up-and-coming uh, travel apps, OTAs, websites uh, like Hipmuck and Hopper and Fair Compare. Um, then uh, Southwest, of course, is not on Google Flights. I, w- I had to book a, f- a flight recently from uh, Austin to somewhere. I forget exactly where it was, but um, on Google Flights, it was $700 on United. That was the cheapest fare. And then on Southwest.com, I got $212 for, for the same flight times, the same travel days. Um, so people have to realize that, if they don't already, that their favorite OTAs or uh, Metasearch sites are not showing every hotel and every airline. Well, your example of uh, Southwest, I'll give you one on Norwegian. I had to go from New York to uh, Bergen, Norway, and I went online to see who flew it. And, of course, I went on, I think I did Kayak and I did Expedia, and I got all these quotes back, uh, no nonstops. I could only go through hubs of London for BA or Paris for Air France or Copenhagen or Stockholm for SAS, et cetera, et cetera, or Amsterdam for KLM. And... The fares were anywhere between $1,600 and $1,900 round trip and coach. And then I went off the major search aggregators uh, or any of the major OTAs and went to Norwegian Air Shuttle's own website. And guess what I found? They not only fly the plane or fly the flight from New York to Bergen nonstop on a brand new Boeing 787 Dreamliner, it was $333 round trip and, and coach. And business class was $650. Here's a rhetorical question, George. Did I fly coach on that flight? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean, why would I at that point? It was one-third the price of what everybody else wanted to charge me to fly in coach with a stop. This may be uh, pushing uh, travelers back into the arms of travel agents. Remember those? Remember travel agents? Whatever I, talk I still about use them. I still use yeah. them. You know, they, they know all the tricks, and they know where the bodies are buried, where the fares are buried, uh, where the hotel rates are buried. Uh, I, I think that travel agents are having a comeback. They are. And the reason why they're having a comeback is because people have lost the art of the conversation. They don't realize that the web does not think in a creative way. It thinks in a linear way. And if you're only going to be predicated or, or motivated by rate, which is what we just talked about, and you're only flying between New York and Midway Airport in Chicago on a Southwest Airlines flight for 59 bucks every Monday at 10 o'clock in the morning, I suppose going on the web might be an expedient answer for you. But if you have any kind of a creative itinerary or are worried about more than the rate and you're worried about value, the web ain't going to help you. Um, you know, I keep talking about this example of, of making a reservation or trying to make a reservation for a hotel in San Francisco of course, I went online to search to see what the rate would be. But then before I ever committed online, I picked up the phone, called the hotel directly and talked to the manager on duty. By the way, the, the hotel was the Ritz-Carlton in San Francisco, and I'd be renting a car from the airport. And so once I got a rate from him that I liked, which was only slightly less than the rate that I was getting online, but still it was less, the conversation didn't end there. The conversation was just getting started. I then said, hey, listen, Will you throw in free Wi-Fi? And they were charging, I believe, 15 bucks a night. Uh, I was staying for three nights. And then I said, hey, will you throw in, will you get rid of the, the, the dreaded resort fee? Uh, which they did. That was 30 bucks a night. And then I said, because I was running a car, would you throw in free parking? And they said, yes. It was only when I was checking out, George, that I found out that the hotel there was charging $42 a night for parking. 
So not only did I get a, a better rate because of the conversation, but I got over $200 in savings just because I had a conversation. Now, I, the technology, I'm sure, exists. The algorithms somehow are in the cosmos that can be applied to that kind of a conversation online, but I've yet to see it. You know, yeah, uh, especially millennials, I, I think, don't realize that the, uh, there's this thing called the telephone that you can, <laughs> you know, I, I was I was uh, out for dinner on Valentine's Day, uh, and I even then I saw people, couples, uh, and they were buried in their cell phones uh, texting. Maybe they were texting each other across the table. No, they were che- no, they were texting their secret lover. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Pick up the phone. Um, even airlines, uh, you, you know, you can get a lot of information. You don't have to make the booking. Uh, you get charged twenty five dollars, except on Delta, by the way. Uh, if you uh, book through a telephone conversation with an airline, but if you don't book and you just get the information and hang up, you can go online and then use the advice that you got from the telephone uh, representative. And the other thing is this: uh, the seating charts online. They haven't told the truth in fifty years. And they haven't been around 50 years, but I'm exaggerating, but not by much. The airlines hold back seat availability as well. Uh, so if you want to look online, a lot of times you're going to see only center seats uh, in the back of the plane, which is trying to upsell you into premium economy. You might want to pick up the phone and call the airline. Uh, you might find that there is that window or aisle seat. It just doesn't show up on the screen of the, of the travel provider on that screen that you looked. And you know what I always tell people, uh, whether it's in person or on phone, when you when you speaking when you're speaking to somebody, if they have a cheery voice, then uh, great. If if they're if the answer is from American Airlines, can I help you? Hang up and call it back. Because <laughs> <laughs> can you do that again? American Airlines, can I help you? <laughs> By the way, this isn't speci- That's the beautiful thing about the 800 numbers. If you get somebody with the personality of a dead fish, or you get somebody as my mother used to say with NSOH, no sense of humor. Uh, You have the ability on a toll-free number to basically, oh, I got to hang up now. Now, you don't have to be impolite or angry. It's just like you'll call them back. Uh, You should never take a no from somebody who's not empowered to give you a yes in the first place. So get somebody who actually likes you and somebody that you like. The other thing, too, Peter, if you get a no, uh, call back and and try for a yes and try again if you get a no. I mean, sometimes... The no is just the first, um, you know, uh, gambit. And then call back and see if you can get a yes. And that, that, that works, too. Whether it's uh, negotiating with a hotel or w- with an airline or a rental car company, um, it, different people will give you different answers. Exactly. So it's okay. I, I know you, you may be, I'm not you, George, but people listening to the show may be culturally disinclined to use the telephone or to have a conversation with a travel agent or the airline or the hotel directly. But you know what? Consider the alternative. What happens when you don't have that conversation? What are you disenfranchising yourself from? The answer is a lot. Yep, yep. This is very good advice, and I, I don't do it often enough myself, actually. I'm going to start using that those buttons on that thing, that phone. Yeah. Yeah, it's the called the back. telephone, George. Yeah. The telephone, yes. Well, yeah. And you know, listen, most of my staff, I think, I take that back. I think all of my staff doesn't even have a landline. Uh, they just have a cell phone. Uh, I live for landlines, first of all, because it's a better connection. Second of all, I do radio, so they might be able to hear me better uh, when I do phone interviews. But third of all, I just think it gives me more options. I don't even know why. I just love the security of knowing that there's a hard wire there that's connecting me to the world and I'm not going to have bad reception. Sure. And, and not that com- computers aren't great and, and uh, mobile devices aren't great. Uh, we would, there, are, there are great tools for searching. I, I always tell people to sign up for airfare alerts uh, by email uh, or by text. And when you see a great fare, you know, uh, at least put it on 24-hour free reserve. Um, but it's not to be on end all. I, I, I you know, have been in the computer business for 20 years now with AOL, and I, I, I've loved it, but um, it, it's overrated <laughs> to a certain extent. So use both. <laughs> use the phone and the computer. Yes, it's okay. You know, it goes back to the days of the Soviet Union, you know, trust but verify. You know, that was the motto, and I think that's okay. But I'm always going to lean towards having that conversation with a human being at some point before I complete a transaction, because you, if you don't ask, you're never going to get. And also, Peter, Twitter. 
uh, if you have a problem or if you have a question, uh, like American Airlines is really great on Twitter. If, if, if your listeners are not on Twitter for any other reason, it should be to talk to airlines. Delta Assist is very helpful. Uh, Air France, KLM, uh, British Airways. Uh, it's a much better way to uh, get a question answered or to ask for something. Just do it through Twitter. It's, um, yeah, these, airlines, yeah. these airlines are doing a great job of monitoring the, the traffic on that. And uh, they respond very, very quickly because they learned their lesson a long time ago about how fast things go viral in a negative way if they're not addressing a problem. Absolutely, yes. It's social media. It is. It's the power of social media. But never let the power of social media take precedence over the common sense of having a conversation. That's the last time I'm going to lecture you today on that, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) But I believe that. George Hobaka, the founder of AirfareWatchdog.com. Uh, talking about the uh, unintended consequences of the presidential executive order and some of the changes on how airlines, hotels, and other travel providers are dealing with displaying their inventory online. Just a a stronger argument than ever on why you should always at least back up everything with a conversation. This concludes this episode and this edition of the CBS Radio Travel Hour. I'm Peter Greenberg, travel editor for CBS News. Our thanks to Joe Brancatelli of JoeSentMe.com and George Hovica, the founder of AirfareWatchdog.com. And we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.